Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Amen. Well, good morning. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about faith. I shared with you that I think God is just so awesome in allowing me to learn as I go and teaching me, and I'm praying that I'm a step ahead of you at some level, but I know some of you have been doing this for a very long time and you're well, well uh, versed in the, in the scriptures. But this walk of faith that we talk about is, uh, is at times easy and at times not. It's just a, unexplainable at some level. I think, well, I think there's an explanation we'll talk about, but for us, it's kind of frustrating, or for me, it can be frustrating because of the, uh, the valleys and the mountaintops. But, you know, in all of that, and, and even last night, Cheryl shared that it's in the test where we get the testimony, and we have to fight for our faith, that it's not just always gravy in our walk, and God blesses us immensely, but it's in those times of testing that we get taught, and if... We're not too slow of a learner. We catch on, and God does wonderful things. And for the past several weeks, we've been talking about faith. We've reviewed that the righteous shall live by faith, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we saw that doubt is not the opposite of faith, but that doubt is only natural. And when it's, and when it's overcome in that process of whatever we're doubting that's going to be tough in our life or going to be a challenge or a call that God has given us that we think we're not ready for and or not prepared or not good enough for, uh, when we bring that doubt captive and it becomes part of the process of the success of our faith walk, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's, an, it's actually, I think it's neat or cool if I could use those words. And how God uses that. The doubt's not an opposite. It's only natural. Once we overcome it, it actually validates our faith. And we saw in Hebrews 11 that by faith there were those who had great victory and did mighty things because of their faith. And then a few verses later it shared that there were those that were stoned and sawn in two and threw off cliffs and crucified. And they still had great faith. And so sometimes we have this picture in life of uh, all these blessings that someone may get. And we know that God truly blesses. And we know from the book of Job that he sets a hedge around us. And he blessed Job. And Satan thought, well, it's because of this hedge that you have around Job that, you, that he has great faith. You've made it easy for Job. You've protected him. You've blessed him. And, and so when Satan, when God gives Satan permission to, to, to test Job, we've been learning in our men's Bible study that it's Job's love for God 
that ultimately gets him through the process. It has nothing to do with the hedge. It has nothing to do with the blessings. He just loves God. There are those who go through tough times and still have great faith. We looked at how James declared that faith without works is dead and, and how true faith will always produce fruit and how um, many, many, even pastors will use that scripture to trip up the fact that maybe James is, is too works oriented, but that's just not true. He's just sharing you are who you are, and the, and the fruit of who you are comes out. It doesn't matter if I stand up here this morning and I tell you that I'm the governor of Delaware, and, and welcome, and I'm glad you're here this morning. But and, and, and when I call the state police to come give me an escort, they do to jail. Okay? So it doesn't matter the words. It, it, James is trying to say that in our faith, when we have the faith, that works will follow, and we... We wanted to make that clear. I want to make that clear to you that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. But it's our faith walk that God is interested in. He, he wants a tree to produce fruit. He has made us to produce fruit. Everyone gets excited about the population of the world. Well, last I remember, our God commanded to be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say stop at three or, or 18 or 20. I don't know. I'm just saying. True? Have I got the right crowd this morning? Are you okay? So let's read this morning. I think is a very interesting passage in Scripture, and we've talked about it before. I think we can revisit it. Open your Bibles this morning to Mark 5. Let's look at Mark 5. And this is right after Jesus uh, heals the man who had the legion and, and, and asked them to, and, and asked the Lord to uh, cast out the unclean spirits into the swine. And Jesus does. The herd runs over. The man becomes clean. And uh, this is right after that, uh, 521. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. In other words, he troubled him. He, he, he is not letting Jesus pass. I mean, the, the Bible's being nice here. It says, implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, after hearing about Jesus, when people hear about Jesus, After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeded from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? 
And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, that's Jairus, and said, your daughter has died. Why trouble? Why bother? Why worry about it anymore? Why trouble the teacher anymore? In 36, but Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. He allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said, something should be given to her to eat. Let's pray. Father God, we pray and we know that your word does not return void. So we asked of you to speak to us this morning. Lord, show us in your scripture what it is that you're saying to us. Holy Spirit, just ask that you would translate in our minds what God is speaking to us, that you would interpret this word properly for us, that we would only hear from you this morning and no one else, and that you will have your way with this scripture, Lord God. And you will change our hearts, Lord, for we come here not for a gathering of just social event, Lord, but we come here because we want to hear, we want to see, we want to meet you. So, Lord, have your way here this morning. Holy Spirit, fill this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to use this story, Mark, as somewhat of a transition story for us to what will we be looking at probably for the next several weeks and how in this story there are examples for us on how to walk this walk of faith. Um, so the story is unique in a sense, and at least I want to look at it today from somewhat 10,000 feet up, if you may, and see the people and, quote, the players that are involved. And we want to use that to transition to, to know that in this story, faith has brought a woman to healing, and faith has brought healing from heaven to the woman. And so we're going to look at those two things. Let's start with the woman. Let's start in verse 24. As we look at verses 24 through 34, it says, He went off with the official, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And I love that because, you know, I said this last week. It dawned on me, actually, from a message I was listening to online that, from the 19, early 1900s that, you know, uh, church folk uh, in, the, in, the, in the pastor world, when you see another pastor, it's, it's just natural. Say, so how are things going at your church? Well, the first thing they think of is how many people come, okay? It's just, I, I know that it's just the way it is, okay? 
and well, we got, you know, so many and so many saved and all those things, and it's all good. And then we'll play that down and say, well, it doesn't matter how many. It just matters how deep we are, you know, and that kind of thing. So I use that one because I'm a small church, right? You can laugh. It's a joke. <laughs> Thanks. But actually, listening to a story about Smith Wigglesworth, the pastor was talking about that, that numbers matter. Numbers are people. People matter. Souls matter. If the churches are all empty in this nation, how does the word get spread? How do people know? The churches should be full. They really should. They should be running over. And we get, we get 100 folks in here, we'll commission somebody else to be a pastor and go start another one and another one and another one and another one. And just like a, a tree drops its fruit, has seeds in it and plant it and it gets out and things happen. People matter. It matters. And I personally believe that God will fill this place and that if Jesus is preached, because his word says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. It doesn't need beautiful. It's nice to have a nice church. Panlin's okay. It's all right. We've talked about this. We might change it someday, but right now it's okay. But if Christ be lifted up, he will draw men unto him. Christ has just healed this Demon-possessed man, he's come through. People are getting the word that Jesus is in town and that he is doing something different than anyone else. He has changed the atmosphere and they are flocking to him. Some because they're nosy. Some because they need a healing. Some just want to be part of the action. But it doesn't matter. It says they're pressing in on him. Now, I don't know about you, but I try to use my imagination a lot in the stories of the Bible. I try to put myself there so it can have some type of meeting. And I see, I see him walking down wherever he's at and just the people are flocking all around him and they're coming to him. And he's probably hearing thousands of things being said. Like, hey, my arthritis has bothered me and, or my sister's not well or, or whatever. He's just, you know, everybody's clamoring. They want what they want. They want a healing. It's okay. Who doesn't want a healing when you're sick? We all want healing. And they're pressing in on him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and endured much at the hand of many physicians, I, I can't help but think about her journey that the Scripture says this word and endured much at the hands of many physicians. Listen, we're going to talk about this a little bit today. There's a, there's a lot of bad doctors. You, you, I'm, are you hearing me? I, I come from a time in a culture where if you're not careful, you have, this, you have this such high regard for a doctor that you think they're in some cases God or that they can't make mistakes, but there's a lot of bad doctors. And how many of you know there's doctors who do harmful things to people and wrong things? And how many of you know the women of this culture were really looked down upon? And I'm imagining all these physicians were men. This was not good for her. She had endured much, the Bible says. And then she spent every dime that she had trying to get well. And it did not help at all. In fact, the Bible says it had grown worse. But then after hearing about Jesus, she came in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Sometimes I think today that we have this uh, concept that, you know, uh, well, I don't think we would do that. 
I just don't think we would do that. I think, I think we would be, we're such, we're such a consumer mentality. No, I want my meeting with Christ. I want him to stop what he's doing and pay attention to me. Pretty much the world today, would anybody disagree? It's just what we've come to. And I don't mean to be cynical this morning. I'm just trying to say it like it is. But we probably wouldn't do that. We'd say, no, no, no. I'm going to run in front of him and stop him and trouble him, and, and I'll get what I need to get. But in your, your humility, in her humility, in her humbleness, she, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, and she thought, if I could just touch his garments, I could get well. And immediately the flood of blow was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceived in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crown and said, who touched my garments? I love this. This is real. And the disciples said to him, listen, if, if you were writing the Bible falsely, here, here's what I would probably write in this next line. I would like, and Jesus, knowing all things, said, there is a lady with gray hair, five foot six, that just touched me, and I'm going to turn around and look at her, you know? But no, the Bibles are like, you've lost your mind, man. This, this crowd has gone crazy. These people are pressing in on you, and you're saying to us, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. And then the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She had a healing in her body and was fearing and trembling and aware of what had happened to her. See, she had a faith that said, if I could just touch his garment, if I could just do that, then I'll be healed. Now listen, we talked a few weeks ago about my father passing about 11 years ago. And, and I was in that hospital, and I'm telling you, I prayed for that man. I feel like I have faith. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and yet he passed. But it didn't shake my faith. Was I trust in God? I don't understand it, God. Why do you heal some and not others? Even in this picture, people are pressing in on him. Get the picture here. People are pressing in on him. You're not going to tell me that no one else was sick or hurt or dying in that crowd. They were looking for healing. I don't understand it, but, but they didn't get it. Now, that's somewhat of an assumption. Don't, that's I, not the Lord, okay? But the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to say, is that probably reasonable? I would say yes. And the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. <laughs> Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Don't you love that God didn't, in his love, he never condemns. And, you know, woman, if you'd have just straightened out 12 years ago, you wouldn't have all this issue. Woman, if you'd have just went to the right doctor, you'd have been fine. No, no, no. The Lord has compassion. We see when he heals the little girl, he says, get her something to eat. I care about her. She's hungry. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, then it's when they came to the house of the official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher? 
and you know the rest of the story. Now keep your finger there, Mark, but turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John 14. We'll be coming back to this, so John 14. And we're going to read verses 7 through 5. Now, I'm actually doing a funeral this afternoon for a wonderful aunt that I had who passed and had 90 years on this earth and a full life. And we will celebrate her life this afternoon. And, and the scripture that I love to use at funerals, a few I have done, is certainly John 14, 1 through 6, where he says, I, have a, I, have, I go and prepare a place for you. But let's look today at starting with verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, he's speaking to the disciples. And he has told the disciples that he's getting ready to go to the cross. And they're struggling with this. And that's why in verse 1, he says, don't, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. People, look at me for a minute. Can I say to you this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled. He goes to prepare a place for us. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And, and Jesus gets a little frustrated here and says to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me. That I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater, say greater. Greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, uh, we don't, I love to say this and when I talk to folks, and now I'm standing in front of folks, so I'm just going to say, you know, we love to think we have a Walmart God. We love to think that we can just go to the shelf and pick and get anything we want. But that's not the same as what Jesus is saying. If you ask in my name, in other words, if, if you're so tuned into the Lord, you're probably not going to ask for the thing that you shouldn't have. It's just something that happens spiritually. But when you're there and you ask in his name, he says he will give it to you. And listen, some people will try to say, well, that was just for the disciples. And no, it wasn't. Jesus later on goes to say, no, no, no. This will be for everyone who follows after you. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Father, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Turn to John 16, just a page or so over. John 16 and verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, now that's the Holy Spirit. That's, 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 that's not a word game. That's not something that people want to play with, that there might be some additional spirit. No, this is the Holy Spirit. 
When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. That means the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Who does Jesus glorify? God, the Father. So in everything that's happening and everything that has happened with any miracle done in the Bible, there is one glorified, and that is the Father God through the Son and then through the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. All things that the Father's are, has, are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And for uh, folks that don't understand the Trinity, listen, it's just this simple. It, it, it ought to be like a marriage. Hey, what's mine's, what's hers is mine, what's mine's hers. You know, we've heard a joke on that sometimes, you know. What's hers is mine, what's mine's mine. No, no, that's not how. God works. What's Jesus is God's, and what's God's is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings that glory right through that Trinity. Now, let's take a moment after we've understood who Jesus is glorifying and who the Holy Spirit is glorifying and go back to John, uh, go back to John 4. Well, no, hold on. Don't go there yet. I'm just going to say this. In John 4, Jesus told the Pharisees this, I only do something that I see my Father do. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So that's just confirmation of what I just said. Now, you can turn there if you like, but in Acts 1, Jesus has this to say after he gathered the uh, disciples together and told them to wait on what the Father had promised. He says this to them, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he said to them, it is not for you know, to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest or to the ends of the earth. And you know the rest of the story in Acts. Uh, they do as Jesus instructs them to do, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's recorded in Acts 2. Now let's go back to Mark 5. Back to Mark 5. I asked you to come back to that. Now this time, when we read this passage, we're going to focus on something just a little bit different. Um, we're going to focus on Jesus himself. We focused on the woman the first time. Now we're going to focus on Jesus. And we're looking at verses 21 through 34. And he, uh, and he, Jesus, went off with him, that means Jairus, and a large crowd was following Jesus and pressing in on him. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and endured much at the hands of many physicians had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And that's where I want to pause for a moment. 
If you remember, John baptized Jesus. The Spirit fell on him, and he began his ministry. And this isn't long after he began his ministry. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's always had the Holy Spirit, because as Pastor Bill has so aptly taught, that he was born of the Spirit. When we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit. But something else happens. We get baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a different process. We'll be talking about that some more. But just understand this, that Jesus doesn't start his ministry until he gets baptized and is full of the Holy Spirit. And here he is, and he is in a place, and he is walking through, and people are clamoring, and everyone wants what they want. But all of a sudden, he feels something. He feels something. The power, it says, proceeded from him and went forth. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? I want to talk about that for a few moments. There was, uh, there's other places in the scripture that I noted and wrote down. I want to share with you. In Acts 5, 15 and 16 records that people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats. And when Peter's shadow fell on, of, on them, the Bible says all of them were healed. Wow. He didn't even have to lay hands on them. In, in Acts 19, 11, and 12, Paul, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that the handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Now, I tell you what we have to be cautious of. Many a television evangelist has, has sold a piece of cloth or garment to those who were unaware that it was a scam because there's no profit in this other than who gets glorified? God. Not, not the preacher's pocketbook. So be cautious of this, but also be understanding that Paul... They would take a handkerchief of Paul and put it on someone who was sick and they would be healed. Do you understand? The power of the Holy Spirit. I, was, uh, I wasn't too far into rededicating my life and was on fire for Jesus. And I'm going to say 30 years ago. I hate to even say that. Maybe 25. And I was at the, a funeral of, of an aunt and I remember having extra grief. I wasn't that close to her, but I remember having extra grief in that. And I remember that when the burial was done, and as is tradition, people line up and, and say a few things to the family as they go through. And I reached out and I took my uncle's hand, and this is just me, I'm not trying to pretend I'm all that. I felt the grief in him. Something was different than shaking a normal hand. And I personally believe that I was full of the Spirit at that moment, and the Spirit was doing a work even into my uncle for his healing. Now, that's 25 or 30 years ago. It's happened once. 
proclaiming that I have this unique thing. But I believe that was a moment like Jesus had a moment when he felt the power go out of him. Because listen, here's the issue. You know, we're in the muscle car era. We're made with this wonderful V8 motor that has all kinds of horsepower and all kinds of power. And as Christians, we want to run it on two cylinders. As, as Pastor Bill would say, the problem's not heaven. The problem is here. Now, I'm also not trying to charge you up with all of this. I'm telling you God has taken me through a process of learning here about faith and about healing. Because I know this. I know he's against sickness and he wants healing. And I know he's against unfaithful and he wants us to be faithful and have faith. And so as I share with you this morning, I want to share with you that God has more for us. Jesus is full of the Spirit. Peter, Paul, but listen, it doesn't stop there. John Mark, who is Mark, and you've, if you were here a year ago, we talked about Mark being a boy, basically, who could write in several languages, and he traveled with the disciples. It's who, it's who Paul and Barnabas got upset with uh, uh, when they had a fight over John Mark because he abandoned them on one missionary trip, and Paul said, he's not going again, and Barnabas says, hey, have some, have some mercy here. And they have a dispute and they separate. Listen, the other thing I like about that is that's good in the kingdom. It's okay that we not get along with everybody. And, and, I, and I think God is like, yeah, sometimes that's how he's got to do it, to scatter seed. And maybe, maybe you need to get away from who you're hanging around with and go do your own thing. I don't know. But Barnabas takes John Mark. But listen, the story is that John Mark ends up going down to Egypt. And when he gets down to Egypt, the first thing he does when he gets to the city he meets, he wants, his, he wants his sandal fixed, takes his sandal in to get fixed, and the guy takes a, an awl, which is the pointy instrument that he pokes the holes through the leather with, and he messes up and he puts, he puts it right in the palm of his hand. Well, what's that remind you of? And John Mark says, oh, and the guy cries out, oh, Lord, or something to that effect in that language, okay? And then John Mark says, oh, you know the Lord? <laughs> and it wasn't really that he knew the Lord. But he used that as that moment to, to make an inroad. And he says, I can heal that. And he picks up some dirt and he makes spittle. He spits in it. That's what I'm going to do here someday. We'll spit on my hand and thank you for laughing. It was a joke. But he makes spittle and he heals the man's hand instantly. You understand? He's a generation away from the disciples. This thing has not stopped. It's not ceased. The problem's on our side. Our mind, our intellect gets in the way of what God wants to do with our spirit. It's part of the fall. It's why we do that. It's also part of the enemy's tactics because, you know, you, can you imagine the Satan being happy that a church has got healing going on inside of it? Somebody say, oh, me or amen, you're, you're too quiet this morning. But I really feel like at that moment when I shook hands with my uncle that there was something. And if for no other reason, God gave me that to show me, even for this talk today that we're having. Smith Wigglesworth is known and it's recorded, and believe it or not, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, that there were people who he couldn't get to to pray for, and he would pull a handkerchief out. He would ask whoever's with him, do you have a handkerchief? And they'd say, yeah. And he would, he would pray over that handkerchief. And he'd say, now go lay this on your pillow and tell them when they lay down at night, tomorrow morning when they get up, they'll be healed. And there's records to show that happened. 
Okay, you have to understand, that's not what, I'm not trying to start a, a, a ministry here that's about that, but I want you to understand the power of God. There's really no other way that we can walk this walk of faith short of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we certainly aren't going to fulfill all that God has for us unless we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. God is present in our lives, the environment will change. The atmosphere will change. When Jesus walks through and he's done the healing that he's done, how many of you know the atmosphere's changed? And people are clamoring to get to God, to get to Christ. And no offense, but when we have our nation full of dead churches and people aren't clamoring for Jesus, I don't understand it. I really don't. But I think part of it is because the church doesn't walk in the power that God has given us. And having said that, we must always remember that it's never about us. If you have a gift of healing, never forget that it's a gift. It's been given to you. And the glory goes to heaven. In fact, speaking of signs, it's a sure sign that if any man begins to take credit for anything wonderful that God is doing, um, you can rest assured that it probably wasn't God doing it to begin with. And I'm not saying God doesn't use the unjust just like he does the just because he does. And that's where we have the Holy Spirit to help us navigate those waters. But mostly, if you have a braggart about what they're doing in the kingdom, chances are they don't have the same God that we do. Just real. Some of the TV evangelists, uh, I feel very, very, very sorry for. I'm not against all of them. Don't, don't misunderstand. Jesus said, I say what my Father tells me, and I do what he tells me to do. He is our example. Now, are we going to walk through a crowd, and someone's going to touch our jacket, and they're going to get healed? Well, I don't know, but maybe. I don't see anything that says it couldn't happen. Because if it's the power of God, it has nothing to do with us except that we're walking in the obedience of the faith that he has given us so that we can make a difference in the lives of those we love and the people around us. That's our whole mission. When he says go and do. Peter, John, Paul, and anyone else that did a work of God always gave the glory to God. Paul and Paul and Apollos ripped their shirts off or ripped their garments off because they're calling them gods. And, and, and they're saying, we're not gods. This is God doing this. Everything that Peter talked about is like, hey, this is God. It has nothing to do with me. I did not heal you. The Lord healed you. They never take credit for themselves. God always gets the glory when the atmosphere's changed. And if we do that, I believe that God will make a difference in our community. Amen? Now, I'm going to stop short there because I think we're going to talk more about this in the next coming weeks. So let's pray. Father God, I pray that there's an understanding of the words that I am trying to articulate here this morning that, that we're not trying to create some special uh, means or, or some type of uh, uniqueness that would uh, follow what we do or create any kind of, of false or certainly any type of proud kind of activity that would think that we have the handle on something that no one else does. 
So, Lord, I'm praying this morning that you're speaking to your people for them to understand that if they're full of the Spirit, that there is much, much more to this life that you want from us and that you can do in your kingdom and that your kingdom would grow and this earth would be changed, Lord. And so may we be fruitful and multiply, not only physically, Lord, but spiritually, God, I pray that you make us people who will multiply. Lord, you have a saving grace. You have gone to prepare a place for us. Our home is not here. And Lord, we so love you for it. But God, we also recognize that we fall short and we get distracted and and we are not truly operating in all that you have for us. So Lord, we pray this morning that you increase our faith. Lord, we pray for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want more in our life, more of you. And we ask that we would make a difference and that we would change the atmosphere. And Lord, I'm believing that there's probably a large amount of people in this room that know when they gave their life to Christ and it surely changed them that people noticed. But then, Lord, we get walking the walk for a length of time and, and all of a sudden, Lord, we're not much different. So God, we pray today that you will move on our hearts, move on our lives, that we would seek after you, Lord, hear from you and hear from heaven and that our atmosphere and the environments that we walk into and out of, Lord, will be changed forever. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. We'll bless you this morning. We'll talk more on it next week. We're kind of out of time. And uh, have a great week and we look forward to meeting with you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.